and welcome to episode one of the Home Assistant Podcast. And today I am joined by two community members. Guys, do you want to very quickly just tell us your name and then we'll jump into some introductions? Hey, my name's Phil. I'm uh, in Melbourne, Australia, and I've been using Home Assistant for about a year now and loving it. And my name is Rohan Karamandi. I'm from uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and uh, I've been using it for about a little more than a year as well, and uh, so far so good. Nice. Yeah, I think it's about a year for me as well. I am Dan, and I'm from New Zealand. I discovered Home Assistant because I was sick of open HEB. (laughs) Um, You didn't like the Java programming to... Run your home automation? Yeah, I tried a few times to get into home automation and with OpenHA being gone, oh, this is too hard. <laughs> Never mind. But then people started talking about Home Assistant and I'm going, oh, Python. Now you're talking my language. And <laughs> yeah, got into it. Um, I'm running, so I am a self-titled serial podcaster. I'm doing six podcasts at the moment, uh, this being the sixth. Um I work a full-time day job and I own a business. Um, So, yeah, no idea how I sleep. Yeah, you're not busy at all. (laughs) Yeah. I've been podcasting on and off since 2005, which makes me a reasonably early adopter. Um, But I don't have any of those archives anymore, which actually is kind of sad. Though, whether anyone would want to listen to 15-year-old me thinking he could do a podcast is a completely (laughs) separate question. Um. (laughs) Yeah, so that's me. Um, As for Home Assistant, um, yeah, it's been about a year or so. Um, I'm I'm an IT guy by trade, so I'm running Home Assistant as a a VMware virtual machine um, in a high availability cluster, actually, so I can actually lose one of my servers and have Home Assistant come back fairly quickly. So if your Home Assistant was to go down, would uh, another cluster pick it up and bring it back up? Yeah, so I've yeah, so it's clustered. So if um, the VM disappears, another server will power the VM back on straight away. That's great, um, and that Super is cool. it's incredibly important for the wife acceptance factor. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the I think the big apart from my own laziness, the biggest thing that has stopped me from doing home automation is the wife acceptance factor. Light switches still have to work as light switches and you can't have to get your phone out to turn on the TV or turn a light on. And, you know, the music on the Sonos just has to work. And, you know, if she wants to turn the aircon on, she needs to be able to do that simply. You know, all that kind of stuff. It can't be... You know, I'm I'm more than happy to get my phone out to make things go, but she's not. <laughs> you sort of look like a, a fool when you have to. You're in the middle of waiting for the TV to turn on, and you have to pull out your phone to turn the TV on. I don't think that's home automation. That's home remote control. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I guess in the in the early days when I was starting out, um, and home assistant wasn't a thing, it was a matter of you know I'd get this really cool toy like you know a hue light, and then. I wouldn't quite get to automating it, so the only control would be through the phone, and that didn't go down very well. So it's definitely been a matter of all or nothing. You either set it up and automate it, or don't do it at all. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've actually, the big thing that's changed everything for me is presence detection. 
Um, and I've been doing that with Bluetooth Low Energy with Happy Bubbles, uh, which are eye beacons and then a nice little package um, detector. And it pretty much means the Home Assistant can track who's in what room of the house and it keeps the lights on and, yeah, keeping the lights on is the important thing. Having, you know, motion detectors and the lights go out on you while you're sitting still in a room reading a book, not a good look. Not at all. <laughs> and um, I integra- I've integrated our home alarm as well so we can, you know, walk away from the house and the doors lock and the alarm sets and... Yeah, that's that's the good thing is not having to touch anything. Is we it are a monitored alarm system, or uh, it's monitored, but the fact that it calls me up and blares at me if the alarm goes off. Okay, yep, that's right. <laughs> um, which is generally enough. Like like you said, we're talking about automation, not remote control, and that is the big difference. Is that it should all happen automatically without you having to do anything. And it makes life easier, not harder. I think that's the goal of every automation. Yeah. All right. Um, Phil, how about you? Um, so I'm running a home assistant with Docker on my Synology NAS server here. Uh, like you, I'm using uh, Bluetooth presence just with our phones, though. Uh, so we don't have a room presence with beacons or anything. Basically, as soon as we get home, the server will detect we're home with our phones in our pockets and turn the lights on for us. Um, and I'm using Hue and a combination of Hue and MyLight bulbs everywhere uh, or limitless LED. And then everything else is just a Z-Wave. So smart sockets, door sensors, motion sensors, and everything. Yeah, a lot of uh, home assistant components. I think I have uh, most of the home assistant, home assistant components running. Fantastic. In one form or another. Yeah. <laughs> and there, there's more and more every day. So there's... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, apart from Home Assistance, here, a web developer? I am indeed. Um, so I uh, primarily in PHP, but I'm also moving over to Node.js, yeah. uh, which I'm yeah. absolutely loving. Um, little things like communicating with Mosquito uh, or MQTT brokers and Home Assistant makes life so much easier, mm-hmm. yeah. um, especially yeah. With Node.js, you can just spin up a little Docker image and have something talking to Home Assistant very easily. Yeah, yeah. In my in my spare time, I um, use Laravel to write various applications. Ah, oh, very nice. All right, and on to the third member of our crew today. Hello, it's Rowan Caramandi. Uh, so a bit about my home automation state. It's uh, I've got Has running on a Docker image. Uh, which is just on one of my home lab servers, and uh, I've got uh, I've got smart things running as well side by side, which basically now acts as Z-Wave Zigbee radio. Yeah, um, I originally started it with uh, my has installation with uh, with Raspberry Pi, so I just decided I didn't want to really do anything with uh, Z-Wave Z- or Z-Wave uh, or Zigbee or anything like that. Just start straight IP, and then and I'll figure it out later. But then before that, I had the smart things uh, running at home as well. Uh, so now I'm just using that as as a radio and just using the smarter uh, smarter smart things uh, package that uh, has been written. Um, alongside that, I mean, I've got for my media, I've got basically Plex mostly everywhere, uh, running on Apple TV and so on and so forth. I've got a couple of coding boxes here and there as well. 
um, for my lights. It's all uh, it's all Z Wave uh, for my lights, motion sensors, and such. Um, Ecobee thermostat, and uh, and I'm using Voice for Alexa right now. That's not integrated in yet, but uh, but eventually it will be. So, and then for me, it's uh, I'm 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 in technology, so I, I love IT. I love fiddling around. I love all that stuff. But, uh, but to your point, Dan, it's, it's also about the, how useful is, is technology to everybody else. There's the wife factor, girlfriend factor, whatever it is. So, uh, it, it usually, that usually keeps me on my toes, with my girlfriend as well. So. Yeah. The internet of things is really a massive kind of buzzword these days with everyone getting into it, whether it be, you know, NetGear Arlo or things like that. And, yeah, you have to make it work. And yeah. so, Everything seems to come with an app as well, yes. which is okay if you're on uh, Android or iOS, but sorry, Windows phone users, you're not getting many apps. Yeah, and then you end up with, you know, 20 different apps, and that's really where Home Assistant is so powerful, and that's, I guess, where I struggled because I, when I started my Home Assistant journey and my or my home automation journey, it was very much low budget and, you know, buying my light and buying 433 megahertz switches and going, mm. how do I glue all this together? And Home Assistant is the answer. And have, you know, a 433 megahertz sensor, uh, you know, motion sensor with a Wemo switch that's got a lamp plugged into it. And when there's motion, the lamp comes on and it's just impossible to glue all that together without something like Home Assistant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still find that I have like 30 different apps for everything, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get away from using them. Right. Uh, for the most part, I am sticking to just home assistant or, or, or even, even past that point, more to Alexa. Mm. Right. So I, I really need to get off my backside and actually get the, that integration going between Alexa and home assistant. But yeah. Now how many people's Amazon echoes have just woken up? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We should we should stop saying that. We should say the unspoken word, right? Yeah, my mine sits behind the TV. So anytime someone says Alexa or even Alexis on TV, <laughs> it wakes up. And at the moment, it's not connected to the internet because I've changed my network around. So every time someone says it, you just get this little voice going, "Sorry, I can't connect to the internet right now. Please check the help section in your Alexa app." <laughs> and we hear that like ten times a day. <laughs> The worst is when it powers on in the middle of the night and says, hello. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's happened to me a couple of times, too. I like that. Yeah, no, that's terrifying. Yeah, because we have have an echo in the lounge, and then we have dots around the house as well. And, yeah, they power on in the night, and you go, what was that voice? (laughs) It's terrifying. Well, we should probably talk about, I guess, what we're going to cover in this podcast, which is, of course, Home Assistant. Uh, but more specifically, we definitely want to talk about new releases. Um, there's been some awesome new things in the latest new release, and we're going to try and kind of integrate some how-to as well. So, you know, talk about a, a really cool automation or some new hardware or some old hardware. And because one of the things that I really struggle with is, you know, finding things to do, like all those really cool automations, like, you know, I leave the house and all the lights go off or, you know, once everyone in the house is in bed, the, you know, the air conditioning and the heating goes off, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I found the the best way uh, is to combine as much information into Home Assistant 
as possible. So uh, I use Z-Wave motion sensors. Um, but obviously, if you're sitting still watching the TV or reading a book, the motion sensors won't work. So mm. I use, um, for example, for watching TV, we have the Harmony remote um, that will know that TV is in use. So the motion sensors won't turn the TV off if the TV's on or things like that. Yeah, exactly. It's really, it's all about the data. And yeah, um, I'm using um, Influx TV and Grafana to graph it. And, you know, I've got temperature and humidity for every, you know, square centimeter of my house. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the power that the house is using. Because even the power the house is using is a pretty good metric of if people are home or not. So you can take, you know, the Wi-Fi presence, the Bluetooth presence, the use of the house and maybe even if the aircon's on or not or the TV's on and you know, remove those false positives of, you know, all the lights going out if you're at home. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, interesting actually. Yeah. Yeah, I found that the, the more data you can give it and the more, um, you know, points of data that you reference in your automations, the less mistakes it makes. <laughs> Because it's, you know, it's been, I've got it set up and then it's done something really annoying and I'm going, right, I'm just going to turn it off because I can't deal with it right now. And then, you know, six months pass before I use it again. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's part of the problem behind, behind, uh, behind, behind technology, right? Is it's how do you, how do you consume it if it's too complicated or if, it, if you're just, Hey, listen, I've got a day job. I don't want to, I don't want to figure this out right now as well. I got to go to bed or whatever it is. Yeah. And unfortunately the, the fact that we're all in technology kind of shows you the level that it's still at these days is that you have to have a really good technological background to be able to use this kind of thing. Agreed. I see, you know, you go down to the local hardware store and they've got this like full automation platform and it's so rudimentary and simple. But because it has to be for, you know, mum and dad going down to the shop and going, oh, this looks interesting. A great use for Home Assistant actually is um, farms as well, like getting all that extra big data mm. from from all over the place on the properties and bring it all into a central location. It's a great idea. Yeah, I'm yeah, actually thinking about using it in my car um, to both pull in data from the engine as well as, you know, manage music and, um, you know, lights and things like that um because I've, I've kind of got it running with node red um but i think home assistant would do a better job than the node red rules that i can create <laughs> so for those that don't know node red is um basically a bit of a rules engine so you can you know say on mqtt message do this and then you know maybe it'll output it or process it or you know it could even spit it the data out of a com port if that's what you really wanted to do and it's kind of just the automation side of home assistant more than anything else and it's i'm pretty sure it's node.js based get um you know node it is yeah 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 so that's it's pretty cool in that yeah i um in the moment i'm using it i'm not sure if you guys heard of um ninja blocks yeah. There's a, oh. an Australian oh. company that did a some actually really cool automation stuff a while back. Unfortunately, the company's gone under. But I still have a couple of Ninja Blocks, and just the protocol decoding that they've done is really good. Like, it'll take, um, like, temperature humidity sensors that transmit over 433 megahertz and spit it out of a COM port in JSON format. 
So I'm using Node-RED to take that from the COM port to MQTT and into Home Assistant. Oh, that's great. That's very fancy. Yeah, and that NinjaBox was really what got me properly into home automation because it was the first really accessible thing. And 433 megahertz is so easy. Yeah. Though unreliable. (laughs) (laughs) But for things like temperature where, you know, if you miss a couple of data packets, who cares? Right, so let's talk about home assistant, shall we? Um, (laughs) Zero point. Uh, four five came out recently. Recently, about ten days ago, at the time we record this, and one of the big changes is the configuration UI. Unfortunately, it's only kind of backwards compatible in that if, um, like me, you have all your automation split out into separate YAML files, you either have to kind of exclude them from the new automation by putting them under an automation old section or you have to combine them all into a single file and give them unique identifiers to be able to edit them with the editor. But it is kind of early days for the editor at the moment, so you never know. I haven't looked into it in detail, but I'm no doubt someone's going to come out with a converter without too much delay. I actually, uh, from memory, I ran... uh I've got more of my automations split out, uh, not into individual automation files, but uh, just separate files, grouping them all together. And mm. it seemed that seemed to work uh, okay with the editor. The mm. only problem with the editor is um, it's only Chrome-based yes. at the moment, so which is understandable. Chrome is the most popular browser, still early days. Uh, would have been nice to see a bit more browser support there, but... You can understand where the, the devs are going. They just want to get out there and get people's feedback on it first. Yeah, it's a it's a very good step towards kind of getting away from having to edit YAML files, which can be a bit challenging at times, especially with indentation and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. But, and I think that's one of the, uh, the downsides to Home Assistant that everyone will complain about is that you have to know YAML mm. or you need a good YAML yeah. editor. So this should bring Home Assistant uh, more accessible to the everyday user that doesn't want to have to edit code. Yeah, absolutely. And that'll also kind of lead into Hess.io, which we'll talk about shortly. Um, the other thing that I've been really pleased with with the new release is the OCR. Um, I have a basically a temperature-controlled relay in my server cupboard, and it you know turns a fan on if it goes over a certain temperature instead of, you know, internet enabling or, you know, network enabling the relay. I've just got a camera pointing at it. So now Home Assistant's able to read the picture and tell me the temperature in my cabinet, which is really So cool. OCR is the ability for the for Home Assistant to read what is on the what the camera is capturing. Is that right? Yeah, so it's optical character recognition. Yeah. Um, so basically reading the te- reading text from a picture. And it's, yeah, it's surprisingly accurate on the release post it's got a picture of someone's power meter which they're um monitoring and that that's another good use as well um being able to monitor how much power your house is using is an excellent tool for telling the wife to turn the damn heater off (laughs) 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 um it's been really good for our power books i've actually got a, a um old phone um, blue tacked to the wall um, and all it does is displays a figure which is the amount of power the house is currently using. And it, it makes you a lot more conscious and then you can see like, hmm, so someone spent half an hour in the shower so now the um, 
hot water cylinder is going to draw four and a half kilowatts for the next hour heating the water back up. Yeah. Now, now I need to run around the house and try and see what's, uh, what's got writing in it so I can OCR. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just need a reason to do this now. Yeah, that's the other thing is I found myself making reasons to automate stuff. And every time there's a problem in the house now, my mind goes to automation. Um, For example, when (laughs) I was in the shower the other day, someone turned the tap on and froze me because they used all the the hot water pressure. So, of course, I started down this line of, so how can I detect if someone's in the shower? And then I need to plumb in some solenoids into the rest of the water tap so that I can cut the water off to them and you know, it's just endless <laughs> yeah there, there, there's, there's got to be a point where you draw the line somewhere right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> and if i don't draw the line someone else in the house will draw it for me <laughs> that's it that's it such are the such are the uh, first world problems of the home automation enthusiast <laughs> have either of you guys had a play with um has.io no, not yet. It looks very good um, from what I can see as well. It seems to be Docker-based. So once you've got Hass.io up and running, you, I believe their goal is to eventually make uh, little add-ons that you can then install with Hass.io, like your MQTT broker or Philips Hue Bridge or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I haven't actually yeah, played was, with it either. But yeah. we can pretend and talk about it a little bit. Um, yeah, so you're right. It's Docker-based, and they've got they've got a few add-ons at the moment. You know, DNS, uh, DHCP server, um, Mosquito, MQTT broker. Um, and I believe the goal is to have it all as a, an app store-based sort of thing. So you just yeah. go in and like a shopping cart, click off you want, and then it gets enabled for you. You don't have to worry about is this file indented correctly or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. So one of the examples they give is HomeBridge, um, uh, connecting Apple um, HomeKit with Home Automation with uh, Home Assistant. Man, there's so many homes: HomeBridge, Home Assistant, Home Automation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's it's that actually sounds and looks really interesting. It's, it's going to be. I haven't had a chance to even look at it yet, but. The, Again, even from right now, I'm running a whole bunch of uh, Docker containers just to do the one thing, right? If I can get it all exactly one big package, that would be fine. It's kind of cool. So, yeah, managing Docker is always a challenge. I'm running, yeah, I'm running Home Assistant on the raw OS, but then I've got a whole bunch of docking containers doing various mm-hmm. things. Um, have you you guys running um, HA dashboard? Mm-hmm. No, I don't. Yeah, so it's basically a, a really nice kind of, you know, 10-foot tablet interface for, you know, bringing everything through from Home Assistant into a kind of tablet interface, and it's using App Daemon, um, which is also new. Um, I'm still, Another Home Assistant feature. <laughs> yeah, which I, I'm yeah. kind of having trouble getting my head around it a bit. I'm, I'm kind of getting there, but it's because... The, the new version of HA dashboard you have to run with App Daemon. That's yeah, the the ecosystem for Home Assistant is just growing like crazy. You can have a look at the um the git commit history. And you can see like such a small amount of commits that I think it was twenty fourteen and it's just gone up ridiculously since then. All right. Um 
this is pretty much just an intro episode, so is there anything else you guys wanted to cover before we look at wrapping on up? For me, I think I'm okay. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, I think we got a decent start here, so. Yeah, it's just to, you know, get people on the podcast train, so to speak. and Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think we should overwhelm it too much. We no. could talk about this for hours otherwise. Oh, yes, we could. Yeah. <laughs> Though I seem to have done a significant portion of the talking on this episode. <laughs> um, the other thing uh, before we do go is that if you would like to come on as a, you know, as a semi-regular host or as just a guest on and off, please get in touch. Um, you can jump into the, the Getter um, chat room. There's a podcast channel on the Home Assistant group. Um, uh, uh, funny story time. For so long, I've been calling it Glitter instead of Gitter because for some reason I inserted an L in there and I went to install the app on my phone the other day and spent about 10 minutes going, why can't I find the app? <laughs> and it's because I was putting Glitter rather than Gitter. <laughs> Is it Gitter or is it Jitter? Oh, yeah. Because um, I'm making the connection with GitHub and Git. I'm calling it Gitter, but you're right. Yeah, it might be yeah, Jitter as well. It's going to start another, yeah, the Jeff versus GIF debate. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the problem with doing a podcast is you bring all these words that you don't usually pronounce and say out loud into the spoken medium and you really have to think about how you don't like for example has.io i'm sure that i'm going to annoy people by saying it that way yeah we're going to annoy people with it what about the new ikea lights would you if i like to take a stab at pronouncing that <laughs> no thank you oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah we'll just call them the ikea lights yeah, that's oh, I right. Can't that works. Yeah, we can just kind of vaguely refer to it. All right, so all going well. We'll be back in two weeks with episode number two. But until then, that's it from me. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot.